everybody. This is John Kime, and thanks for listening to my new podcast. I'm going to be doing this weekly in the offseason and hopefully twice weekly during the season. I hope you tune in. Now, before we get going, I got a special guest later in the show, Bram Weinstein. Covered the Redskins with him for a number of years. He's going to be joining me later in the show to talk about free agency. But first, it's always about quarterbacks in Washington, and that's where I'm going to start. Will the Reds, who's going to solve that position? Who's going to be there? Will the Redskins take a big swing? I think if you look at their history, it suggests that they're going to. What kind of swing that is, I don't know yet because there's so many variables and so many scenarios that have been discussed that it's hard to know exactly which direction they're going to go. But let's look at the history real quick before we jump ahead here. I'm going to go back to 2009. Now, that predates Bruce Allen. Bruce Allen right now is the key decision maker here. But Jay Cutler was a guy that this organization, this owner, Dan Snyder, wanted back in 2009. They were minutes away from trading a lot of picks to get him from Denver until Chicago swooped in literally at the last minute to pick him up. But again, the desire to fill that position with a name, with, with you know, a quality at that time, a guy you thought was on the rise, um, that, that desire was there. A couple years later, a couple picks to Don, for Donovan McNabb to Philadelphia, hoping that that would solve the issue. I think we all knew that what we learned from that one was the phrase cardiovascular endurance more than anything else. And for that cardiovascular endurance, the Redskins gave up two draft picks. Problem still not solved. A couple years later, the really big swing to trade up to get RG3. At the time, the move was mostly celebrated. And then a week later, salary cap problems. I think if they'd had those salary, that salary cap penalty, if you remember the $36 million over two years, they would not have made that trade. But when they made the trade, it was definitely to move up to the number two spot to take Griffin because you knew Andrew Luck would go first. A big, big swing. That obviously did not play out or pan out the way they had hoped over his career here. First year looked great. After that, we all know what happened. And then that comes to last year after letting deciding to let Kirk Cousins walk, a trade for Alex Smith. Now, they, didn't, they only gave up a third and then a starting corner in Kendall Fuller, but it was a $71 million guaranteed that made it a bigger move. That, of course, I mean, because of the injury to his leg, the Redskins are back in that position now needing a quarterback. Now the question is, which way do they go? There are free agents out there. Teddy Bridgewater is a possibility. Another possibility would be trading for a guy like Case Keenum with Denver. If they did that, they would then have to redo his deal. I think he's going to count like $18 million this year. I think he has $7 million guaranteed on his deal. I think if they got him, you'd be looking at a deal in that 7 to 10 range. Um, same thing with Teddy Bridgewater. I bet you he would get somewhere in that range, probably. And the, the hard part with that, I think there's some people there that would like either one of those players. The hard part is I don't know that either one of those guys comes in here as the surefire starter, which means that Colt McCoy, who, make, who would make 50% less, would be starting ahead of them. And that would be, you know, is that, is that an awkward situation? I don't know, but that's something that I think, you know, if you think those guys are surefire starters, then you don't have a problem paying them that kind of price and then also drafting a quarterback. Then there's the draft. Do you trade up in the draft? And a month and a half ago, I didn't think they were going to, to do that. They have nine picks, 
but they they don't you know we all we know the cap situation they have 17 million in cap space they can create more early in the offseason you would hear that don't think they're going to trade up well over the last several weeks i think that thinking has probably changed that if there's a guy there that they can move up to get it wouldn't shock me if they did that not i don't know that i'm expecting it but i think you have to put out at this point every scenario as being in play and that would be one of them and I think then you're looking at if the, to do that you're looking at two guys Kyler Murray or Dwayne Haskins if Murray goes number one overall and if they really want to go get Haskins then obviously they would have to trade up and probably to the number three spot what that would take you know a couple of years ago the Rams gave up bundle a bundle of picks to move up from 15 to 1 what I wonder, and right now the Jets have the third have the third pick, and there's been rumblings that they may want to trade back out of that, pick up some more picks or, or whatever. Would it be enough to swap picks and then give up a player to go get that pick? And what player would it take? Now, what do they need? The Jets need it, absolutely need an edge rusher. That's been on their need list for a number of years. So you can't go and say, well, give them a Josh Norman because I don't think they're going to want to take, I think it'd be like a $10, $11 million cap hit for them this year with Norman. I don't know that they would do that. They have a young tight end in Chris Herndon. So would Jordan Reed make sense? Well, probably not. Um, so then you're looking at a guy like, if you really want to make that move, you've got to give him a player that would be hard for you to part with. So and if they need an edge rusher, the one guy that would probably tempt them is a guy like Ryan Kerrigan. Would you do that? I don't even, I have no clue if that's what it would cost, you know, but if you're looking to move up with a player, it's that caliber of player that you're probably going to have to give up, um, you know, or you're going to have to give up multiple picks um, to do that. A couple second round picks may, and probably a future one. Are these quarterbacks at that level where they're worth giving up that kind of money? But that all brings me to the one guy I'm going to talk about next, and that's Josh Rosen. Another topic that came up today on PFT that I think we need to let breathe a little bit more. Okay. I saw that an unnamed general manager told Peter King that Josh Rosen would get a third-round pick at most for the Arizona Cardinals. I disagree with that. I think that it should be more. What do you think the ceiling should be? For example, if Washington wants him with that three years left and $6.2 million in total cash value on his contract, would that 15th overall pick in the draft? Would that be a fair a fair swap for Josh Rose? I, I think that's a, a too expensive. I do. I, I, I don't know if I would do that. That was Mike Florio and Chris Sims from Pro Football Talk, of course, talking about what it would cost to get Rosen. Now, I've talked to several people over the last couple of days about what they think it would cost to get Rosen. And I've heard anything from, you know, the 15th, to the, a second round pick, to maybe a couple picks, and then you hear the third round pick mentioned as well. Some context here. Last year, Tyrod Taylor was traded from Buffalo to Cleveland. With, he's, I think he had a $60 million cap hit for a third round pick, okay? Um, you, can all, you can say it was a Browns organization, but you know, 
the Redskins haven't exactly distinguished themselves in this area either. So would, is that all it would take? You know, is that the market? You know, is that the value here? Then there was Teddy Bridgewater traded from the Jets to New Orleans at the end of camp for a third-round pick. Two, a couple years ago, it was Sam Bradford going from Philly to Minnesota for a first, and I believe it was a fourth-round pick. So where would Rosen fall in all of that? Now, if he was in this draft, I think, you know, at the 15th pick and the Redskins selected him, I think people would say that was a good move. So my initial thought when Rosen, when, you, when the word started trickling out that Rosen, that the, that the cards would take Murray and they trade Rosen and that the Redskins would be a team that clearly would be interested. And listen, they should be interested because they need a quarterback and he could be a possible long-term solution. So they have to be interested. So then you think, well, yeah, a first round pick. Well, yeah, if he's there, you would have taken him. So why not? And the more I thought about it and the more I talked to people that, no, you shouldn't give up that first round pick for a couple reasons. One, if Arizona, the minute that Arizona lets teams know that they want to trade Rosen and draft Kyler Murray, his value goes down because you're not going to keep both guys. And, you know, yeah, he'd be an inexpensive backup, but it would be an awkward situation as well for both players. I don't think that'd be a good thing for Rosen or for Murray. And so, so they're going to have to trade him. Then it comes down to, well, how many other teams are involved? And that's the one thing I don't know. You hear a number of teams, you even hear now there's rumblings that New England would be one of those teams involved. Whether that's true or not, this is the great smoke and, smoke and mirror season. So who knows? But that's going to be the key. And then I think the other key is, you know, I think the Redskins do have some leverage here. They don't, if they don't feel like they have to, to trade for Josh Rosen, then you don't have to give up that first round pick. So what would it take? I'm thinking probably a second round pick um, would probably get it done, maybe a second and a conditional in next year's draft. Um, And the reason why I would even include something next year is because I'm going to bump over to free agency for one minute here. The Redskins are going to probably lose a couple guys, Jamison Crowder, Preston Smith. They're going to get some comp picks back if they don't sign a lot of guys in free agency, they'll get some comp picks. So that gives them some flexibility to maybe give up a pick in next year's draft. So I think, you know, but when you add it all up, I don't think you give up that first round pick. I don't think you need to, unless they absolutely love the guy. Now, I do know that when he was coming out last year, the Redskins did like him. And I do know that they would, you know, if you look at this class, of quarterbacks, he would be considered one of the best. I don't know that he would be considered the best. I think it's going to depend on who you like more. Um, I think Murray probably excites some teams more because of his the skills that he has. I think Haskins has a bigger arm and is a very good passer. So I think some people may put him ahead of him. But then, but I would my sense would be that you would put Rosen ahead of a guy like Drew Locke or certainly Daniel Jones and Will Greer and the rest of them. So 15th pick there would be good value, but you don't have to give that up for him, nor would I, because um, I just don't, I guess I don't think you're going to have to. Then it's like, now what timetable are we looking at here? So I have two thoughts on that. One, this is something that if you're the Redskins, you kind of want to know going into free agency, what do you need to do? Do you need to go out and get a Bridgewater? Do you need to trade for a guy like Case Keenum to maybe come in and compete with Colt McCoy to be the starter? If you do that, then you're kind of going in a different direction in the draft where you would probably 
maybe pick a quarterback in the third round or so, um, maybe a Jared Stidham type. I don't know if they like him or not, but then just throwing a name out there, a guy who might be there in third, a guy that maybe can develop into something in a year or so and let the other guys kind of fight it out to be the starter now. You know, or do you, if you really, you know, do you want to get that settled? Do you want to know now that, okay, you have your quarterback now. Now you can start building around this guy and what he can do. And if you have that chance to do it now, and I think it would also, you know, I think that's something where, yeah, it kind of hurts their leverage a little bit, but I still come back to um, with the Cardinals that in the end, they once you let teams know you're going to trade them, that you lose that leverage. So, um, you know, and I think if, they, if the Skins really want this guy, then maybe you try to get it done now. The risk is if you wait until the draft and this is a guy you want, first of all, you're, he's missing out on a couple weeks of OTA work with his new teammates. And then secondly, what if you don't get him at that time? And, you know, what if the Giants make a better offer at that time? Then, you know, I guess what you could do then is be aggressive to go up and get Haskins. But I think that's those are some things um, that you have to consider. Now, just from a on-field standpoint, and I'm going to bring in Bram in here in a minute to, to ask him his thoughts on – uh, on Rosen, but I, w- I was able to watch some games of his from this year. First things first, that he played with a really bad offensive line, and I think that was evident. There was times where I'm watching him against Green Bay, against San Francisco, play action fake. He tur- he fakes the handoff, turns, goes to hit his plant foot, and there's already a guy in his face. So there, you know, take that into account. I didn't think there was a ton of weapons around him. Larry Fitzgerald, love him, but he's not a game breaker anymore. Um, and so I think there wasn't there wasn't a lot of time there weren't a lot of times where I'm watching great separation from the receivers. So you know let's take that into account. I think he's a really good passer. I think the one thing I liked is that he's always ready to throw. You look at his mechanics. You look at his bait, his base, his footwork is really good. So I think and I think he's an anticipation thrower. And I think he almost needs to be because he doesn't have a huge arm. I don't I don't know that I've ever heard anybody say that he has this great arm talent, which is not just strength, but a lot of other factors. But I don't think he's got. I don't think he has that. But I think he has some other skills that make him a good passer um, some of the things that you know a couple of times I think it was in the San Francisco game I saw him climb the pocket one time eyes downfield takes a shot down the field so for those of you who would want a guy who's going to be more aggressive going down the field I think he's more your guy than certainly than what Alex Smith and and, and at times Kirk Cousins was the difference is that this guy doesn't check down a lot either so in the two games I watched I'm not I saw screens but I didn't see a lot of checkdowns which is okay, except that sometimes you got to check it down. And I think Jay Gruden is a guy who likes to give that option and wants his quarterback to take that option. So I think that's one thing. And he's not—he's not the greatest athlete back there. Um, he's more of a—he's po- clearly a pocket passer. When you watch him, he's still an unproven guy. And I think that also drops the value a little bit. So you're still—you know—so I think I think that that goes that certainly comes into play. And one thing, and I've been texting with some people, I'm going to read you one text I got from somebody with another team who clearly had looked at him last year. He said, talented passer, needs good players around him, not going to take a team on his back and be that type of leader. So in other words, they still need help. And I I know that the Redskins would think that as well because um, they just I just do. So I, I think, you know, that's something – to keep in mind there. I want to bring in Bram really quick. Bram, 
What do you think about Josh Rosen, and how badly would you want him on this roster? Okay, uh, the first thing I would say about this is, um, is Kyler Murray Pat Mahomes? Because why is everyone so entirely certain that the Cardinals want out of Rosen after they spent a first-round pick? Well, and I think that's a fair thing. And then, plus, you look at it as like, what's better for the Cardinals? Murray or Rosen and the number one overall pick? Right. So I think, I think I think that's a very fair pick. And then if you're not going to get back, like if teams aren't going to give you their first round pick, if the Redskins aren't, then why you know, are you going to be happy with the second or third? And what's that going to bring for you? The other part too is is what you brought up with, with he's not mobile. Okay, so Cliff Kingsbury's coming in there. He's going to want a mobile quarterback. That's clear, right? They're going to run a more collegiate style and, offense that's more open. And maybe Rosen just can't run the plays that he wants and, to run. And, it's even and more therefore about they went with a style. Right? right? They went with a style. This guy's not going to fit that style. Um, I agree with you that his value goes down the second that they make it clear that they're going to take Murray, and I'm convinced that that is what they are going to do. They wouldn't have brought Kingsbury in otherwise, I don't think, that they were going to do that. But I don't know that his value is lost here. I think everyone realizes he was on a crappy team. Yeah, and I agree with that. I And that, and that's where I think you may have to give that extra pick up for him for that reason. Because, if again, if you look at Tyrod Taylor getting a third-round pick last year with a $16 million cap hit, I don't know why I would assume it would just take a third-round pick to get him. The other thing to keep in mind in this one, why would the Redskins do I got two other things I forgot to mention. One, his added cap number, combined cap number for three years is $6.2 million. When you have Alex Smith's contract in the book, right. that is highly desirable. Now, I know you lose that one year of control that a rookie would have, but you get less money and you get a guy coming in here who's already been through an NFL season. So that's another thing that if you're looking at value for them, that's where you would also I don't think we know who wants him either. Like, why wouldn't the Giants be considering this right now I and would, putting him behind Eli Manning for a year? Why aren't the Patriots looking at this no longer with Garoppolo there behind Brady, knowing that the end has to be and here I think, and at I, some point in time? So, like, the Redskins aren't the only team. I, like, this is an interesting time because there's not a lot. If you look around the league, a lot of teams are actually semi-set at quarterback, agreed. which is really unusual. Is. Typically, there's a huge void for a large mass of teams. I don't see that around the league, actually. I think there's most teams think they have a pretty good quarterback in place. But why would a unique year? But again, why isn't, I don't know, New Orleans looking at a backup for Drew Brees? There are a lot of people here that under the radar could be looking at this as a valuable person to have behind a veteran like Eli yeah, or Brees and, and it or would Brady, be, listen, let alone the Redskins who need a quarterback right now. I think it would be a classic right New England move because then you can set yourself up if they feel like that. And, I, and when you watch, he's not Tom Brady, clearly. But I think the his 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 um the way he moves and all that is like they're used to that sort of style, I guess. And I, I, so yeah, I, I think that's all in play. I think Miami has to look at him too. And I think um now the the good thing for the Redskins is let's say the Giants want to go get him. Well now maybe you have a better shot if you want to trade up to get Haskins if that's where you wanted to go a lot of these teams who have these veteran quarterbacks that are coming back that they're confident in but they're heading towards 40 or over in some cases and this guy is cheaper than most valuable backup quarterbacks because of the trade right this is where I don't agree with Florio I don't think it's going to be a third-round pick. I think there's a much larger market for this player than what's well, I think going Florio to be. Florio even said that he yeah. thought it would be more than a third-round. Oh, I, I think I, was, so. I definitely think it would. I just say I have a hard time. He's not a bust. No, we yeah. don't know that yet. And I think the fact that he's unproven, yes, we know that. But you still have to go back and look at the skills and what you saw in college. Does it match up what you saw here? And how does it translate for you? And I think when you're ta- if you can get a guy like that for a second-round pick, you know, and maybe a future conditional, I don't think that's a bad move. All right, now, Bram, let's hold on here. 
We're going to get to some free agent talk because that's right around the corner as well. But, you know, Jeff, just from a front office perspective, one thing, you know, Landon Collins may be leaving, guys, but look at the connection between James Betcher, the Giants defensive coordinator, and take someone like the Honey Badger. Five years together in Arizona, there's a connection there, and when you're investing a lot of money in a player, as you know, Damian, you want to make sure that that player is put in position to be successful. So there's a connection there. So they may be losing Landon Collins today, Jeff, but who knows, maybe a week from now, we're talking about the Honey Badger going to the Giants. All right, well, let's get into some free agents talk now because that is right around the corner. I'm bringing in Bram Weinstein again to help me talk about some of what's going on and also to talk about the good old days yes. of the wild free agency spending when they, what, shopped at Versace and not at Walmart or Kmart, whatever Dion said. Um, those were fun days. Were they? Well, no, they really weren't. But I didn't like free agency back then because if you remember, they started at midnight back in the day. And I remember, like the day they signed, the day they signed Hainsworth, um, I think I was up till two thirty or three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and you're texting with people, and even though I actually at that time I, I don't even know, what, I don't even know what texting was at that at that era, but I think that's I think that's what I was doing. Um, but you're 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 hearing from people, emailing whatever. You're till about three a.m. At that time, I hear Albert's out. Chris Candy's coming to visit tomorrow. So that's the story that I'm going with. Candy's coming in tomorrow. I'm like, okay, it's 3, 3.30. I'm going to bed because it's 3 or 3.30. I wake up at like 5.30 or 6. Hainsworth is signed. He had signed at like 5 or 5.30. So like that was back in the time where when they wanted a guy, they got him. Those days... They literally took people hostage. They did. They took people... They, the last time they had done this was Josh Norman, where they took him hostage and said, you're signing with us. And, that was and that's really style. the one in the first... Like, But when we were covering it together back in the early 2000s, that's how they did business. They just basically said... Um, what do you want? And then they would give it to them and say, you're not leaving the building or the plane and, or whatever until you sign the contract. And, t and guys knew that. And my other favorite story, I always... I won't say which player it was, but I remember talking to him a few years after he had signed here and he was laughing about free agency. He goes, yeah, I had someone who was like, I think a former coach of his or somebody, it's like he had lined up a visit for me with his new team and, you know, but he did that only to help drive up my price. He was, the, the guy had no intention of signing me, but it worked because the Redskins kept him here and he signed and he got a bigger deal. And that's how it used to go. And now... Yeah. In the last 10 years under Bruce Allen, that really hasn't been the case. And I, you know, I always wonder with Dan Snyder is how patient is he willing to be with this method because we all know how aggressive they like to be. And that's why I think I go back to maybe trading for a quarterback or something like that. But the other thing that goes into this brand is right now they have $17 million in cap space approximately. They can create easily $15 million more. Other teams can create more too. So that's yeah. always going to be relative. But what they've gotten into in the last year or so is they, they really want to add those compensatory picks. And so that's why, like, in a lot of cases, they may sign guys who have been cut by other teams because they don't fall into that formula. So, like, if there's a, if there's a guy that gets cut um, by somebody who's a bigger name, you know, then that 
would be beneficial to them because yeah, you got to pay, but you don't have to, you're not going to worry about that pick. And when you look at those comp picks, they're not going to keep Preston Smith. He's, he's going to go. Jamison Crowder, my guess is he probably doesn't stay either. They're going to get really good contracts and that will help them get comp picks the next year if they don't sign a lot of guys. And I think those are important to them. So I think they're going to look for bargain guys, guys who are cut, and maybe, maybe there's a guy out there like a Landon Collins. And that's what I ask you is, would you go after a guy like that? Well, I would. One, with institutional knowledge of the division, number one. Two, um, he wears the number of Sean Taylor. So there's something about that connection to him that matters. So you want people who want to be here, which was the weird part of a, the DJ Swearinger stuff, that here's this guy who wanted to be here. Now he's not here. You have a void. So you clearly have a void, obviously, for him. Um, he's going to cost money. But I think strategically, and this is what I would say back to you, um, even before Alex Smith got hurt, when they made the deal to bring in HaHa Clinton Dix, which didn't really work out, but at the time I felt like, you know what? They know that they are limited offensively. They know this. So go all in on the defense and see how far it takes you and try to keep Adrian Peterson healthy and just, just see what happens here as the season plays out. There's this part of me that feels like knowing they can't go get one of these top-tier quarterbacks because they can't afford to do it and they're not going to have Crowder and their offense could be weak. And it appears it could be really weak next year go all in on the defense and see what it does for you, right? So if you're going to go spend some money, go do it with those guys. Spend the money on that. Don't go get Antonio Brown and put him with Colt McCoy and a unfluid yeah, yeah, and, and a not fluid. Right. You know what I mean? I like, do. I don't see, think that's, that's why that's it'll the happen. Thing. Like, I don't want them to go do something like that because it that is the old days of the Redskins where they go get this mismatched part, overpay for it, bring him in, think it answers all their questions, and it doesn't change the fact that the guy throwing the ball to him isn't good enough, right? And, and so if the, you're going to win here, the only way that they're competing with Prescott and whoever the Giants quarterback, whether it's Eli or Carson Wentz, Think you better have a really good defense. So well, go all in on it. And listen, and then last year you, we know the formula. It was ball control, no turnovers, and defense. That's how they got to six and three. I I really like Landon Collins. My hard part is depending and listen, it always depends on the price tag. And there's a glut of safeties out there now. So but he is clearly I think he's the best one. Well, you got Earl Thomas out there, too. And Eric Weddle's a good option now. But he's also 34. Yeah. So I think the, the bonus with Collins, he's 25 years old. That's right. That's a huge bonus. Now, he's, a, he's considered primarily or mostly an in-the-box safety. Do you pay that much money for in-the-box safety? He's a playmaker. I think what they need on that defense is more good culture guys. And that doesn't mean you have to be this great guy, but you have to fit into a, I think you have to bring an, an add to the culture. And I think that's whether it's with your approach, with, with your study habits, with your work habits, with your professionalism. I think a guy like Collins, my understanding would be a good fit in that regard. So how much is that worth? I have a hard time paying $10 million a year for a safety. Right. I really do. I don't think I would do that. But everybody over there that you talk to at Redskins Park is like, well, we have Eric Schaefer. He can make whatever work. So even if you see $10 million a year in terms of average per year doesn't mean the first couple of years that's what it's going to be and you know it could be backloaded and that's okay because then it's just kind of fake money but um, there's really be the first couple of years in the guaranteed money how much are you willing to spend for a safety but I do think bolstering that defense is an absolute must I mean they need somebody in that secondary that they can really count on when it comes to communication when it comes to um, just 
being able to organize guys back there. I don't know if Collins fits that role or not. I don't know if that's his kind of, what he really does. Um, I think it's something they hoped HaHa would do. Yeah. But that's about all he really I, did. I don't know what... And I don't know if he was... I don't know what Jay Gruden's saying all this is. I, I, it, I You tell me like what, what his ear in the room is. But if I'm him, knowing that his job security really is on the line right now and looking at the cards he's been dealt on offense with Alex Smith, here's what I'd want if I'm him. I want them to go get Josh Rosen to give me a chance to develop a young quarterback again who has an upside if it doesn't cost you that much and clearly won't cost you much on the cap. So if it doesn't work out, it just doesn't work out and you move Correct. away from him and you can do that and it's not that big of a deal and then tell them, spend all the real money on defensive players and give yeah. me a fighting chance. What and think, that's what I would say. instead I, of like, Because I'm scared Le'Veon Bell or Antonio Brown's going to show up here. And that is not the answer for this team. they no. got to go all in on that side of the play. They have really good young defensive tackles for the first time in a long time build around it. And I'm really good with that because I think when you look at this, what, I have, what I've heard a few times is that they're going to want a receiver in the draft. This is a pretty good draft for receivers. There are some intriguing guys, whether it's in the first round or even the second round. So I think that's, you know, so I think that's to keep in mind there. So I think that would be a good way to go. Um, guard, I think you can probably solve that with a low-end free agent. They're not going to spend a ton of money there. They don't need to. Um, you need good health on that front. You need a guy who's going to be durable and will be available. So that's where, like, so yes, put some, in, you're going to invest heavily on that defense side of the ball. And, you know, I think a couple... You need to get, and you need to get a safety because they don't have one. And they, you know, Monte Nicholson is more is a free safety. We don't know what's going to happen with him. And is he? Can you even rely on him? It's two years in a row where one was injuries and one was, you know, one Loudon. So, yeah. you know, I don't know that you. And can this rely. is where the Swearinger stuff doesn't make sense because I, you say what you want about how much he complained openly. The guy wanted to be here. He did it for the reasons because he, he wanted to make the team better. He wanted a better work ethic around him, and they cut him for that. And, 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 you know, I, and I know, like. Here's the the hard part with the guys like Swearinger is he is he was kind of who you thought he was going to be and that's why you ended up cutting him but what who he ended up to be is what he always has been so you have to nip those things early and I think that was the hard part and they went to him a, a number of times and if you don't want that that's fine and if it rubs other guys wrong that's fine the one thing I always liked with DJ is that I felt like he was a he definitely prepared. He definitely prepared. There are some guys there I would not say that about, not to the level that he did it. And I think that's always a good thing. And um, that's why, like, a guy like Earl Thomas would greatly appeal to me. But I just don't, you know, a 30-year-old, I love him, but he's 30. But, like, that guy, you know, Richard Sherman, those guys are guys who are avid, avid studiers. And I think that's the kind of guy you need in that secondary. And if Collins can give him that, that's fine. But they've got to, like, and the other thing, they're going to have to address inside linebacker, I think, because can you rely on Reuben Foster? I mean, my guess is that, I mean, it's it seems clear that they should and will cut Zach Brown because of his cap hit, and he was benched, and he was benched for a reason. They didn't, it was about his play and about some other, you know, just they were getting tired of, you know, things. So um, in Mason Foster might be a cap cut too so you're you know can you rely on sean Dion hamilton and reuben foster mill so you'll probably get some low-end guys there but i'm going to get somebody there too right but i think so you're going to have the ability to spend if you want to spend i think you're going to spend big if you're going to get one guy i think i do it on defense yeah definitively that now they need playmakers they and i know they want playmakers and if if darius geis is healthy that's an if because we don't know how he's going to be if even if he's out there how durable is he going to be we don't know that 
listen, one of the years that, that stood out to me most when Kyle Shanahan was here was 2011. And they were an average offense. And I, don't, I know people don't want to go back to an average offense, but they made it work with Jabbar frickin' Gaffney as one of your top receivers and Dante Solworth. And the guys got open and they had Rex Grossman and all that. But, you know, there were a reason why they didn't excel, but they still made it work with that group. So if you have some good coaching with some of that and a good quarterback, Look what Baker Mayfield did for the Browns receivers, for God's sake. You know, if you have a guy who's willing to make anticipation throws and all that, it can help make guys look better. But they do have to get Well, I will say this. I'll, I'll take Jarvis Landry over anybody that's on the Redskins. Right Absolutely. <laughs> but I'm not even talking about him. In a second. I'm not even talking about him. It's just yeah. him. Like, yeah. as a, in, in general, those receivers were better with him than with Tyrod Taylor. Now, yeah, some yeah. of that's the play calling and all that. I get that. But when quarterbacks can, are willing to throw into tight windows and anticipate – then it makes guys better. I'll let you go with this. Thank you for doing this. I'm so happy that you're doing this. I'm so happy I could convince you to, to do this. I'll be honest. I'm pretty excited about this. Good. Because now I will say, I don't like listening to myself talk for a long time. I can <laughs> tell you my kids don't, but I don't. But I enjoy talking football and, and about things that we both like. Again, football. I mean, this is, you know, <laughs> this is great. So I'm looking forward to doing this and we're going to have a good time.